Well, hey, this is your old friend Bill. Whenever I find myself in Davis, I'm busy putting the fun in fundraising. But when I'm not, I always listen to KDVS 90.3 FM. And you should, too. Go Aggies! This is Radio Parallax, a slightly different perspective from a slightly different view, with topics that include matters in science, technology, history, politics, current events, and whatever we damn well please. And now the host of Radio Parallax, Douglas Everett. Welcome to the program. As uh, you may notice from listening to this show, dear listener, that uh, we oftentimes have a lot of fun talking to you. And uh, today we're going to emphasize that aspect of our program. We're going to try and do a little bit lighthearted fare. If we touch on some heavier issues, we're just going to, I think, just only touch on them today and perhaps look at the lighter side of them. One of the uh, the great pleasures of this program is sometimes we're, uh, we're doing some stuff and people are coming to the booth and they're cracking up. And, you know, we get a big kick out of that. We always hope, of course, they're laughing with us. Uh, I often joke to Todd and other people here in, in the booth, uh, you know, during the course of the show that when we follow free speech radio, uh, I just wish, you know, free speech radio news would, would just lighten up once in a while. Or I've said sometimes, I wish Amy Goodman would just crack a few jokes. But of course, that's apples and oranges. Amy Goodman's Democracy Now! can be heard uh, here on KDVS, and we hope you will tune into that show as well. Uh, we greatly admire her work, and I'm proud uh, to note that... Uh, uh, next month, I'm scheduled to sit in over at the Insight program at KXJZ on uh, on April on May 5th. We are scheduled to talk with Amy Goodman on Insight, and I am really looking forward to that. This will be in conjunction with an event taking place right here at Freeborn Hall on the UC Davis campus. Also scheduled for that program will be Alfred McCoy, author of The Politics of Heroin in Southeast Asia. We've got a couple of pretty serious uh, uh, political investigative journalists, and I, I'm really looking forward to, to speaking with both of them. On today's program, conversely, we're going to be speaking uh, with Martin J. Smith in our second segment. Mr. Smith, along with uh, co-author Patrick Kiger, have written a book called Oops! 20 Life Lessons from the Fiascos that Shaped America. We're also pleased that we're bringing back to the program a couple of people we've had a great deal of fun with in the past, our sports correspondent, Sean Minton, and our adult entertainment correspondent, Christy Canyon. Sean uh, was a, a radio and, uh, and TV, I believe, sports reporter up in the Pacific Northwest, uh, whereas Christy was in the pornography industry. We do on this program take the broader view on what constitutes public affairs. And as we commence, I would remind you, as always, that the opinions expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of KDVS, our sponsors, or the University of California. All right, on this date, April 13th in 1861, the opening battle of the American Civil War ended with the surrender of Fort Sumter after a 33-hour bombardment by Confederate cannons. Neither side lost a man in the battle. 
and the Union garrison was allowed to leave for the North. On this date in 1970, two days into the third manned mission to the moon, an oxygen tank exploded aboard Apollo 13, and the crippled spacecraft began its harrowing journey back to Earth. You never did see Apollo 13 with Tom Hanks. I would highly recommend it. We would also highly recommend the book Lost Moon, co-authored by James Lovell, the commander aboard Apollo 13, and Jeffrey Kluger, who is a um, frequent contributor to Discover Magazine and many other science periodicals. Speaking of space, 45 years ago yesterday, Soviet cosmonaut Yuri Gagarin made the first successful manned space flight. During his flight aboard the spacecraft Vostok 1, the 27-year-old test pilot also became the first man to orbit the Earth. And interestingly, 400 years ago, Tuesday, that would be April 11th, in the year 1606, the Union Jack became the official emblem of the new unified kingdoms of Scotland and England. like to clarify when we heard Tony when we hear Tony Blair referred to as the Prime Minister of England uh, no he is the Prime Minister of the United Kingdom which consists of Scotland England Wales and Northern Ireland our quote of the day comes from Alfred North Whitehead who once noted that the total absence of humor from the Bible is one of the most singular things in all literature. Our quip of the day comes from Butch Hancock, who said, Life in Lubbock, Texas taught me two things. One is that God loves you and you're going to burn in hell. The other is that sex is the most awful, filthy thing on earth, and you should save it for someone you love. All right, let's do the good the bad, and the ugly. It was a good week last week for lacquerware. After China imposed a 5% tax on disposable chopsticks in an attempt to save some of its dwindling forests. 5,000 years ago, the Chinese started making chopsticks out of wood scrap, but currently China uses 45 billion pairs of disposable chopsticks annually, which requires the cutting of about 25 million full-grown poplar and birch trees. In nearby South Korea, the government has ordered many of its restaurants to stop throwing away chopsticks. On the other hand, last week was a bad week for ostentatious dentistry after government lawyers tried to confiscate the gold tooth caps known as grills from the mouth of two men facing drug charges, saying the dental work qualified as seizable assets. Customized tooth caps popularized by rappers such as Nelly are made of precious metals and jewels and can cost thousands of dollars for a full set. Some can be snapped onto the teeth while others are permanently bonded. 
Flannard T. Neal Jr. and Donald Jamar Lewis, it turned out, both had permanently bonded grills. Emily Langley, spokeswoman for the U.S. Attorney's Office, said in their defense, Asset forfeiture is a fairly routine procedure, and our attorneys were under the impression that these snapped out like a retainer. And from the ugly file, we have the item that Donald Trump is filing a libel suit against New York Times reporter Timothy O'Brien over his biography, Trump Nation. The book contains a lot of unflattering remarks about Mr. Trump, but one insult apparently got his goat. O'Brien claimed that Donald Trump is not a billionaire. He pegged instead his net worth at a mere $250 million, far short of Trump's claim of $6 billion. It was noted that whether or not O'Brien is right, Trump's reaction was telling. More than most entrepreneurs, Trump is a success because people believe he's a success. That's why they buy his books. That's why they tune into The Apprentice. If Trump was exposed as just another millionaire, the whole edifice could come crumbling down. An incredulous Michael Lewis in Bloomberg.com said, I thought it was impossible to offend Donald Trump. Two New York City detectives were convicted for acting as hitmen for the mob. Louis Epolito and Stephen Caracapa, while on the payroll of the NYPD, were actually involved in eight slayings for the Lucchese crime family underboss, Anthony Gaspipe Casso. The two officers apparently also supplied Casso with inside information on law enforcement interest in the mob. Casso was said to refer to the two men as his crystal ball. We should tack on to that last item from the New York, New York, It's a Wonderful Town file. Now, last week when we did our show, it had just been announced that um, Patrick Fitzgerald, the special counsel investigating the Valerie Plame affair, had revealed in uh, federal court documents that uh, Dick Cheney's former chief of staff, Louis Libby, had told a grand jury that Bush, through the vice president, authorized him to leak to a reporter information from a then-classified national intelligence estimate. The aim of this leak, of course, appeared to be to discredit a critic's complaint that the administration was doctoring intelligence to justify attacking Iraq. An editor on the Sacramento Bee noted that the, the, the defense of this action by the administration seems to be that the president has the legal authority to classify and declassify. So the argument is that this doesn't make the president a lawbreaker. Of course, I wish we could get a, a, one of those clips, those many clips that were circulating showing Bush saying in a press conference, you know, if anyone's been leaking in this administration, he will not remain a part of this administration. Well... We can only hope that's true. Of course, it was revealed yesterday in the Washington Post that while the administration was hailing the um, the finding of some trailers in Iraq, two small trailers captured by U.S. troops, they, they labeled that they were the long-sought biological laboratories. 
In fact, U.S. intelligence officials possessed powerful evidence then and there that that was not true. Despite that knowledge, top administration officials four months afterwards hailed this as a vindication of the decision to go to war. George W. Bush's popularity in California, according to a recent poll, is now down to 32%, the second lowest in history, second only to Richard Nixon's 29% the month that he resigned office. But we wonder, across this uh, red state nation of ours, uh, what it would take for Bush's core constituency to turn their backs on him. It's been suggested that if some intern at the White House could just induce the president into having an affair, why, then he would be impeached. And in other presidential news, we would note that Christopher Walken has thrown his hat into the ring. (laughs) We haven't checked it out, but apparently www.walken2008.com is his website. Rachel LeBrock, writing in the Sacramento Bee, said... We're not really sure why the people behind the Christopher Walken for president think the actor would make an ideal prez, but we're nonetheless interested. We're going to have to get him on the phone. We'll see what we can do next week. In the meantime, let's take a break. I'm Douglas Everett. This is Radio Parallax. You're listening to KDVS 90.3 FM, Davis, Sacramento. Now, stay tuned for our discussion about... 20 Life Lessons from the Fiascos that Shaped America with author Martin Smith. <laughs> 